Please stand for the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Reading from Matthew chapter 1, which you can find on page 807 of your Pew Bibles. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. Please have a seat. Well, welcome. Amy's already said welcome, but another very warm welcome to all of you. This is so exciting to be here in our new space. And I guess, I mean, I I think probably almost every single person here has either painted something or nailed something or moved something or packed something or decorated. Isn't this gorgeous? Our um, decorating team yesterday making this place just look glorious. So thank you. Thank you all so much for the ways that you have worked and worked and worked to make This is a welcoming space, and welcome to visitors who are here with us for the first time. We're delighted that you are here. This is going to be um, an interesting season as we come into it. We're starting a new series called Heaven and Nature Sing. So all around you, I hope, are things which will get you thinking about what does it mean to have heaven and nature sing, looking at all the ways that God is proclaimed in our world around us. But first of all, I want to just ask you um, to just think back for a moment. Where were you three years ago? Have a little think about that. What were you doing? Was it the same job, a different job? Were you living in the same house, a different house? Was your status in life somehow different in some way? Sometimes it feels like a lot can happen in three years, and sometimes not very much seems to happen in three years. But just give that moment a little moment of thought. And then imagine that perhaps you had a close friend or a colleague or a sibling or somebody who decided to to write your story down. And so they did that. They wrote down all the highlights, the low points, things that had gone well, things that hadn't gone so well. And you could perhaps imagine a book like that being written. But then take it a little step further and say, what about if over the last uh, 2,000 years, before three years ago, People had been writing history, and they'd kept on making little references to what Caroline was going to be doing in 2019. Maybe not the specific year, but or you know, or maybe what Nancy had up her sleeve. Or it's quite extraordinary, really. You'd think, well, that's ridiculous. Nobody's been writing and prophesying about my life for the last 2,000 years. But for a carpenter in a dusty village in Israel, exactly that had happened. People had been writing about him for thousands of years. 
They'd written, of course, the records of all the things that had been going on, the stories of kings, the stories of empires and governments and changing and all the things that had happened. But all the way through, and as we see it in the Old Testament, there are like these shards of light which penetrate the words of the Old Testament, pointing always to Jesus. Pointing, and who knows, the prophets probably often didn't quite know what they were writing about. They might, like our prophet Isaiah, as we're going to talk about in a moment, probably had an immediate idea of what they might be speaking into. But the Holy Spirit was giving specific, clear words which were pointing to a truth which was going to be revealed. So Isaiah, as we heard earlier, was talking at a time probably about somewhere around 700 years before the birth of Christ. And he was a man who was under two kings in particular. First one was Ahaz, and he was a bad guy, really. He didn't trust God at all. And the second one was Hezekiah, who had a better idea of what it meant to follow God, to trust the Lord. But these two very different kings were people whom Isaiah was prophesying in their time. And the story, as we began to hear it, was coming in a very dark point in history. And in chapter 8, as we have it, Isaiah, there's a reference to chaos and conflict. Israel and Judah were at war, and the Assyrians were getting involved. And chapter 8 finishes that they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they're hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upwards. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. The time was dark. There was warfare all around. There was discontent. There was dis-ease. But Isaiah spoke beautifully into this. But first of all, I wonder where you have experienced darkness. Perhaps physical darkness? Perhaps emotional darkness? Psychological darkness? Financial darkness? Political darkness? Even today, perhaps there are things that you're struggling with in your hearts and minds, areas of your life which are dark, and it feels like thick darkness. What do we do when the darkness crowds in and there is no light? How do we hold on steadfastly when things are just impossibly difficult? Where would you like to see a shard of life cut through the darkness in your life? Because even as Isaiah is just talking about the darkness that is all around them, he suddenly bursts forward sort of rhapsodically in this hymn, this beautiful song. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Even as there is darkness and chaos around him with war and all kinds of chaos going on, there's this promise of a child, a baby, A baby who will be a son, who will carry the government, not of 8th century BC Israel, but of all the world through all time on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. What a beautiful promise to come when people are in despair. Even now, if you want to, feel free to grab a piece of card out of those plastic bins and begin to write that out. Maybe choose one of those phrases and think, how am I going to hold on to that phrase as we go through the Advent season? Wonderful counselor, mighty God. 
Doodle it, draw it, memorize it, imagine it. Already in the book of Isaiah, there have been other little shards of light as well. In chapter 2, verse 3, he said, For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Constantly looking forward. This is impossible in worldly terms. It is only possible in an eternal, eternal setup. In chapter 3, he said, O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. And then in chapter 7, he said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The verse we heard referenced in Matthew just now. And now this lovely, lovely calling out in chapter 9. This foretelling of Christ, the one who will bring a perfect government. So why does God do this? Why does he put all these references scattered? Why, Why did he get Isaiah to even say all this stuff? Well, I think it's in the same way that we sometimes need reminding to keep picking up the trash or um, tidying our rooms or whatever it is. We need constant reminders because we tend to forget, especially when things are dark. But we need to have the promise of light in the darkness to just keep going. Imagine yourself in a dark room and seeing, or in a dark forest and seeing a light in the distance. You're drawn towards it, wanting to go towards the light because it holds welcome in it. Wonderful counselor. Don't we all need the wonderful counsel of God? Probably all of us at some point have picked up a self-help book or gone to a counselor or sought help from different people, and those are all good things. But this is the opportunity to come to the one who has all the wisdom of heaven at his disposal when God says, I am your counselor. Mighty God. We need to know that our God is mighty. At the time that he was writing, these two countries were at war against each other and everybody, kings were being deposed and imposed, left, right and center. There was such instability. But Isaiah points these people to El, the God who is. Does this all sound like ancient history when you've got kings being deposed all over the place or simply a retelling of what is happening now in Syria? on the Mexican border, in Bolivia, Colombia, Hong Kong, all sorts of places. This idea of governments warring against each other, we see it all over the place. Governments arguing for what is expedient over what is just. As I was thinking about this this week, I was just looking at the news and thinking about Bolivia. We've prayed for Bolivia. Evo Morales being taken out of power, and then this very unknown politician sort of emerging out of almost nowhere, Janine Añez, suddenly thrust into the limelight. And what I liked about her was not only had I seen day after day news about the way that the church was praying in Bolivia, but when she emerged, the picture I saw her held, had her holding a pink Bible, saying, we need to take note of the fact that God, it is God who holds the power. Pray for her. Pray for that country as it continues. Where will we see God taking that kind of light to shine in Bolivia? And then I was thinking about Hong Kong and Carrie Lam and all that's been going on there. And one of the things that was so fascinating way back at the beginning of the local, uh, the recent unrest in Hong Kong was seeing the people coming on the streets and singing, Alleluia, Alleluia, at the very beginning because then they couldn't be arrested. 
Um, but you kind of go, people invoking the Lord's name and praying on the streets of Hong Kong. It's not over yet. In fact, it seems to have got worse than the last few days again. But keep praying for God's light to shine in Hong Kong. I'm kind of interested in an election which is happening across the pond in a few weeks. Uh, I love God's word to be proclaimed in the UK. I looked to see if there was anyone speaking out um, from the church in the UK, and I came across Stormzy making a quote. I wasn't convinced. I don't know if you guys know about Stormzy. Go home and look up Stormzy. Anyway, okay, fell flat. But anyway, <laughs> if you're British and kind of probably a lot younger than me, you might know him. But, uh, so but pray for the UK as governments are warring against each other. Pray for justice. What about here? As we hear on the news day by day and week by week, all the sort of turmoil, the turmoil around the impeachment, the turmoil around people speaking out about justice or injustice. What do we do about things like that? Whatever side of the aisle you're on, you need to know that God is a God of justice. He's the mighty God. And we need to keep praying for God to be a mighty God here. Keep praying for God's light to shine. There's so much that we see around the world which is not peaceful. And so we pray, mighty God, will you bring your light? Or maybe tonight what you're looking for is that reminder of an everlasting father. In the Old Testament, so often fatherhood is associated with authority, loving authority. And so tonight, whatever your experience of fatherhood is, your father Think what it means to have a God who is a father who is endlessly compassionate, endlessly faithful, and yet has the authority of good parenting. Can we pray for the loving authority of God's parenting to be a source of light for our community? Prince of Peace. Isaiah knows that peace is the, the taste of the kingdom. And so he speaks of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. As his song rises to a flourish, it rises with this promise of eternal peace, an end to hatred and lying and backbiting, bringing a sign of God. We can't command light. We can't decide where it's going to shine and where it's, going to, where it's not going to shine. But what we can be so thankful for is that in this verse, it says, and God's zeal will accomplish it. God is the light. God is the Lord of hosts. This Advent, will you pay attention to where heaven and nature are singing? Will you pay attention to where there are shards of light cutting through the darkness around you? Will you bring your darkness to the light, to the one who can deal with it and shine on it? This Advent, we're waiting for the birth of Jesus. We know it's coming. So it's not going to come as a surprise in four weeks' time when we celebrate Christmas. But we can wait with such anticipation, knowing that God is a God of light. As one commentator noted, the darkness is true, but it's not the whole truth, and certainly not the fundamental truth. Last week, Steve challenged us to look at the faces around us and see where God is at work and join in his conversation to look for places to have conversations about who Jesus is and what it is that we're waiting for in Advent. All these Christian seasons, the way that we arrange our year, are so brilliant in terms of giving us opportunities 
to open up conversations with people. So why not tomorrow, talk tomorrow to a colleague at work and say, we, this weekend we were thinking about light and what it means for God to bring light into a dark world. Where is the darkness in your world? And how would you like God to shine into it? Let's be praying for each other this Advent season, that we will have many opportunities to speak this truth about our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, as we wait for that eternal government, the eternal kingdom, where all will be at peace. We're going to take a moment of silent contemplation in a minute. Perhaps when you come to communion later on, as you come to eat and drink, you'll have a moment to just invite Jesus in to those dark places and ask him to show you where he is shining his light.